Hey, it's good to greet all of you. Thanks so much for joining us today, and I want to welcome everyone who's joining us online. And if you're a first-time guest, I want to give you an especially warm welcome. We're glad that you're with us. And I want to share something with you real quick. We're going to end our service today different than what we normally do. We've got a great special element at the end of the service with a great special song and video. So please, please stay until the service is over. I know we've got a full house and some people get a little bit anxious when we get to the end and want to get out, but please stay until the very end. What a blessing it was to see all of our students up here. We are so grateful for them and we're grateful for the opportunity each year to celebrate them and pray for them. I got my Bible open to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 this weekend. So if you've got a Bible, let me hear your pages turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to thank my son Andrew for filling the pulpit for me last week. He shared a great message from Romans chapter 10. Here's the deal. I was supposed to be here last week to preach because I've been gone on vacation for a couple of weeks and just back one week and it's not normal for me to be gone again immediately, but I'll share something with you so you can pray about it. We have been talking, uh, our leadership of the church has been talking to a church in the Speedway area about the possibility of becoming our next impact campus. You know, we have a unusual multi-site model here at Mount Pleasant. We've got our Greenwood Church, Mount Pleasant Christian Church. It's been in this community for about 140 years. Next April, it'll be 140 years. But we also have some satellite campuses that are all in Indianapolis, but they don't use the name Mount Pleasant. They use the name Impact Christian Church, Impact Old Southside Christian Church, Impact Fairfax Christian Church, and Impact Bethany Christian Church. And as you know, they're in neighborhoods that are underserved and under-resourced with a lot of need, and we're trying to help those churches be strong spiritual presences in their neighborhoods. And so uh, there's a church in the Speedway area that is just like the rest of them, and they're having a hard time keeping their doors open on their own, and so we've been talking to them. So you pray about that. I say that uh, to you so you can keep that in your prayers, that God will give us wisdom and discernment about that, and I will definitely keep you posted as we learn more about what the outcome of that relationship might be. Every year when we come to this weekend, I want to share a message that is a blessing to our, stu- our teachers and administrators and people who work and, with and serve kids, a message that's a challenge and that's inspiring. But I also want to share something that has meaning for everyone else. And I've got uh, a little bit less time than what I normally have. And so we're going to dive right into this message that I'm calling Living Life on Purpose. So if you've got your Bible open to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and you're able, go ahead and stand with me for the reading of the scripture. If you're a guest, we do this every week. We make the public reading of Scripture a part of our service, and because we have such reverence and respect and love for God's Word, we stand together when we read it. I'm going to be reading 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16 through 27, so a little bit longer passage than what we normally read, but it's going to flow, and so you'll be able to follow along. This is the Apostle Paul, and he says, Yet when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and so not make use of my rights in preaching it. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew. To win the Jews, to the, those under the law, I became like one under the law. Though I am myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. 
I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. All right, there it is. You can be seated. And as always, we ask that God would bless the reading and the hearing of his word. Let me just start by giving you a brief overview of 1 Corinthians chapter 9 because we kind of started in the middle of the passage and it might seem a little bit confusing to you. But basically in this chapter, what the apostle Paul does, a big part of this chapter, what the apostle Paul does is he talks about what it looks like to willingly give up your rights for the benefit of others. And even though we started in verse 16, he primarily does that in verses one through 18 by giving up his right to be financially supported by the local church to do the ministry that he's involved in, in sharing the gospel with others. And the reason why he did that was because he didn't want to take the chance that anybody might misunderstand his motivation and think that he was sharing the gospel with them for commercial gain. Or in other words, he was sharing the gospel with them just so he could make money. And so he gives up that right. And then he goes on to explain two things. First, and this really reveal the heart of Paul. First, that he would give up any and every right for the sake of preaching the gospel and leading men and women to Christ. And second, and this is so important for all of us, he really tells us that nothing significant ever happens in life and nothing significant ever happens in ministry without some level of self-sacrifice and self-denial. And so the bottom line is, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul talks about his call or his calling to ministry by talking about his motives for ministry and the principles that guide him in his ministry. And here's what I want everyone to understand, and this is why I'm choosing this text for this weekend message. What Paul says about his life and what he says about his work and what he says about his purpose teaches us how we should view our lives and our work and our purpose because Paul understood that he didn't have a job, he had a calling. And it's not just pastors and missionaries and other people who work in full-time vocational service who have this calling. If you are a Christian today, if you have given your life, you've accepted the gift of God's grace through faith in Christ and you've given your life to Christ, you have a calling on your life regardless of what your job is, regardless of what you spend your time doing each and every day. You need to understand that above that and beyond that, you have a calling from God on your life. That means whatever you do, Wherever you go, God has an expectation for you to live out your faith in a way that is obvious to the people who are around you. So the question becomes how, how do we do that? And what I'm gonna do, and I'm gonna try to do this quickly, is I'm gonna suggest three answers to that question based on the verses that we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 16 through 27. If you're someone who likes to take notes, then here's the first answer to the question, how do we do that? How do we live out the calling that God has on our life? Whatever we do, wherever we go. The first one is this, you have to let your calling compel you. Write that down somewhere. You've got to let that calling compel you. And I, I say that based on what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 16. This is the way our text began. He said, yet when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast. And then he said, for I am compelled. Everyone say compelled. Compelled. 
to preach. And then he says, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Now, in simplest terms, this means Paul understood that wherever he went and whatever he did, he was under this compulsion from God to preach or to share the gospel. And so that's what he did. Now, how does that apply to all the rest of us? How does that apply to an engineer or a construction worker or a nurse or a teacher or administrator or someone who works in the school system? It's as simple as this, and I'll use Paul's words. I'll just phrase them in a little bit of a different way. We need to say, woe to me if I do not use my job or my position with all the opportunities, influence, and exposure it provides me to preach the gospel at least on some level. In fact, I want you to read those words with me. Let me hear your voices. Woe to me if I don't use my job or my position with all the opportunities, influence, and exposure it provides me to preach the gospel at least on some level. I read a story this last week about a marriage counselor. He was trying to um, simplify marriage for people because marriage can be difficult and some people often make it difficult because they make it too complicated. And so one of the things that he said was the key to a fulfilling marriage is not just to find someone you can get along with, but to find someone you can't get along without. Now, I don't know if that's the key to every successful marriage, but I know that's how we should view whatever our calling is in life as a Christian. And we should approach whatever we do with an attitude that says, I can't help but preach the gospel. I can't get along in my life without preaching the gospel. But listen, friends, don't get bogged down by that word preach or preaching. I'm sure most of us, if not all of us, have heard or are familiar with a phrase that's pretty common in Christian circles. The phrase is, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Have you heard that before? It's a pretty popular Christian quote, and you see it on plaques and all kinds of settings. Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. That, that quote is often attributed to a man named St. Francis of Assisi, although, and I did some research on this, I, can find, I can't find any evidence that St. Francis of Assisi ever spoke those words or wrote those words. I don't know how he got associated with that quote. But let's think about what it would mean for a moment to preach the gospel without words. There's one sense in which the meaning is really simple and really clear. Sometimes the most powerful sermons are unspoken because you can preach the gospel with your words, but if your life doesn't back up what you say, then you have no credibility. And sadly, that's the case for some believers. But you can also preach the gospel. Let me say it like this. You can also prepare the way for the gospel or sow the seeds of the gospel in a lot of ways that don't necessarily include words. You can love people. You can notice people. You can listen to people. And when you listen to people, you can learn people's stories. And when you listen to people and learn their stories, you can find ways to meet their needs and ways to serve them. And you can go on and on and on and on. A couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago I was out at the Impact Center uh, on the back of our campus here on a Thursday. Uh, I'm sure most of you are familiar with, we have this impact center out there and we have this kind of a phrase that we use, uh, insider phrase that we use here. There's no set model of how you do church anymore. And so we have what we call impact Thursday, 
where we have three services at the Impact Center, morning, afternoon, and evening. And then we have Impact Saturday where we have a morning service. We have an Impact Pastor who uh, oversees it all named Steve Saunders. And every service includes a time of worship and a message. And, and the folks all participate in an offering and they're given food to eat. And it makes me think of Acts 2.42 that described the first church and said they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to the fellowship, and to prayer. All those things happen out there every week. And we have three to three to 400 families that come every week and participate in that. It's a great, great blessing. It's been around for a long time. It's not been around in the way we do it today for a long time, but it's been around for a long time. And so I'll go out there sometimes on Thursdays and it was before everything started. And so I was just standing in the back and all of a sudden these three little kids came running up, just like toddler age kids came running up and they got in one of the rows and they started wrestling with each other. And then I see this young woman hurrying up behind them. And I looked at her and said, man, I wish I had their energy. And she said, me too. And then she immediately told me they weren't her children, but she was their aunt. And then she, just like that, friends, just like that, she basically told me her story. She told me that she had one son, but he had been taken from her home and placed in foster care because that son's father that she was no longer with was an abusive man. She was trying really hard, doing the best she could to get him back. She talked to me for a long while, uh, while about uh, her circumstances with her son. And I asked her, have you been coming to the Impact Center for a long time? She said, well, I came in the very beginning with my mother, but a while back my mother died. And so I, I didn't come for a while and I'm just now starting to come back. And I said, well, if your mother came from the very beginning, I might know her. Do you have a picture of her? Because I was out there a lot in the very beginning. And uh, so she picked up her phone and she started scrolling through her phone to see if she could find a picture of her mother. And we were standing really close together. And, 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 and so, you know, I wasn't like snooping, but she was holding her phone out, you know, like this to see, you know. And, and so all these crazy pictures came up that I didn't, they didn't make any sense to me. And then she paused, she said, I'm sorry, I love anime. Well, I don't know much about anime, but okay. And then she started scrolling some other kind of crazy things came up and she looked at me and she said, and also I support the LGBTQ community. And then she was scrolling through her phone. She found a picture of her mother. I said, yeah, I recognize her. I, I, she was here a lot in the beginning and we had a nice conversation about that. And then uh, after a little while, I put my hand on her shoulder. And I said, can I pray for you? And she said, absolutely. And so I, I prayed for her and the circumstances of her life and the things that she was going through. And afterwards, I really encouraged her to continue to come to the Impact Center and get to know the volunteers because we have some of the greatest volunteers in the world that serve out there in the Impact Center and get to know our Impact Pastor, Steve Saunders. He'd love to minister to her and on and on. But thinking about that later in the day, it, you know, I thought this, there's a lot of ways I could have messed that encounter up, right? A lot of ways. And there were even ways that I could have messed that whole thing up and even justified it to myself. I could have said, anime, well, you seem like you're a little bit too old to be dealing with something as foolish as that. You've got too many responsibilities to waste your time with that. And she said, when I support the LGBT community, I could have said, well, let me tell you something. You might support the LGBT community, but God doesn't. And I could have just, and you know how I feel about that. I'm have a strong biblical conviction about those things, but it wasn't the time for that. You know, hopefully the time will come where words, where words will make a difference. But in that moment, preaching the gospel was not about the words that I spoke. It was about listening and caring and praying and supporting. There will always be time for words. There will always be an opportunity for words. But what we need to do is we need to feel compelled, every one of us, regardless of what you do for a living. Everywhere we go, 
with everyone we meet, with every opportunity presented to us, we need to feel compelled to preach the gospel. Sometimes with our words, but oftentimes just with our lives. And that's what we need to remember. When my son Andrew preached last week, he preached from Romans chapter 10 that contained these words. This is Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. How then can they call on the name of the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I love that last part. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We used to sing a song in church. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. One of my favorite songs, and I think back to years past. And that's what we need to do. We need to bring good news with us everywhere we go. Sometimes with our words, there's always going to be a moment and a time when we need to share words. But oftentimes, we do that with our lives. And if you're a teacher or you're an administrator, or you work in the school system in some area where you have oversight over students or you serve students in some way, you need, my encouragement to you in this new school year is to feel compelled to present the gospel to those students every opportunity you have, oftentimes, probably most of the time, with your life. The second answer that we find to the question uh, uh, that we ask in the beginning of the message from our text here is we have to make a way for everyone. You want to view your life as being under this calling to be compelled to share the gospel, then here's the second answer to how you do that. You make a way for everyone. I look back at 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 19, and Paul says, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. And then, if you remember, he goes on in the text. That's what he says in 1 Corinthians 9, 19. And then he goes on the text in verse 20, verse 21, and the first part of verse 22 to say this. He says, to the Jews, I became like a Jew, observing the law. To the Gentiles, which is just a word that means non-Jews who do not follow Jewish rituals, I became like a Gentile. He says, when I come across people who are weak, he accommodates their weakness. And then when he gets to the end of verse 22 in 1 Corinthians 9, he says, I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. Now, it's important to understand what Paul's not saying here, friends. He's not saying he'll compromise the message of the gospel because the message of the gospel never, ever changes. Somebody say amen to that. It never changes. What he's saying is, I'll use any opportunity and I will walk through any open door to get to the gospel. That's what he's saying. And so the lesson is, in order to have influence in the lives of people around us, we need to be willing and ready to be adaptable in our approach to people. It won't always be one way. We've just got to keep our eyes and our hearts open enough to recognize the opportunities when they come. William Barclay is a man who's predominantly known as a Bible commentator, and he wrote his Bible commentaries many, many years ago. But I ran across a quote of his that seems very contemporary. He says, the man who can never see anything but his own point of view, who never makes any attempt to understand the mind and heart of others, will never make a pastor or an evangelist, note this, or even a friend. There's a lot of truth there. 
One of our core four strategies uh, that we utilize here at Mount Pleasant to live out the mission and the vision of our church is called spiritual influence, which is just the term that we use for personal evangelism. And so what we do, and many of you have been through this training, is we, we challenge people and teach people to be willing in their life to do three things with other people. Number one, develop friendships. Number two, discover stories. And number three, discern next steps. And so what we want you to do as you go through your life, what I need to do as I go through my life is I need to keep my eyes open to the people that God brings in my life. And when I have opportunity, I need to develop friendships with those people, especially people who are a long way from God, who don't live with faith in Christ. And once I discover uh, or develop a friendship, the second thing I need to do or we need to do is, is discover their story. And let me tell you something, that is not hard. Remember my story from the Impact Center? I said, I wish I had their energy. And the next thing I knew, I had this woman's whole story shared with me in a wonderful way. So you develop a friendship that enables you to discover a story. And the third thing is you discern next steps. Or in other words, you just ask God to guide and direct you on how you might point that person to Christ. And it can be as simple sometimes as saying, hey, you want to go to church with me? Or listen, I'm signed up for this Bible study. Maybe it's a woman. I'm signed up for this ladies Bible study. And you might, it might be something that you really enjoy. Or we have this ministry at our church called Soul Care that really helps people identify and deal with the different struggles that they face in life. Oftentimes struggles that hold you back in life. Listen, there's a lot of people in life, believers and non-believers who never make any progress in their life because they can't, can't get past the emotional trauma of their life. And I've been a pastor long enough to know that there are people like that sitting in this service right now or listening to me online. You're stuck. You need soul care. So it could be as simple as extending an invitation. It might be more complicated than that. It might be you telling them your story and your testimony, how Christ has changed your life, and even sharing with them the practical details of the gospel. But that's what this is all about. And here's why all of us, every one of us, no matter how bold or timid you might be, needs to embrace this kind of spiritual influence because God brings people into our lives all the time that have this need to experience the good news of Jesus, the grace and the goodness of God. And I know I've talked to several people in our church over the years. I said, I've talked to them about, about this whole spiritual influence. And I've, I've said, you know, do you have, we, we call this person uh, in the process of, of, of the de- develop friendships, discover stories, and discern next steps. We call this person our one life. I said, do you have, have you had any success in identifying your one life? And oftentimes people say, say no. And you know what? Here's what I think. And you just need to trust me, okay? I think oftentimes we say no because we're trying too hard and we're not noticing the people that are right there. People that God has already brought into your life, already given you exposure to, that you need to focus your attention on. Because there are people that we encounter every single day who need to hear the truth about the goodness and the grace of God. Here's the third thing. We'll make this real quick. How do, we, how do we embrace life like Paul did where he was compelled? He lived under the compulsion to always be sharing the gospel. Well, we run to win. Or in other words, when we make a commitment to Christ to live a Christian life, we're in it to win it. And what I mean by that is we want to see success. We want to be used by God 
We want to cross the finish line knowing that we accomplished what we set out to do. And you really see those in the, that truth in the words Paul ended the chapter with. He said, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body. Literally in the original translation, I, he says, I'm not shadow boxing. This is the real deal for me. I beat my body. And make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I am so devoted and committed to this that I want to win and I'm not going to do anything in my, on my own to mess it up. And that's how we live out this calling that compels us to make the opportunity to have encounters with people that leads to sharing with them the goodness of God, the grace of God. We are committed to being successful in what we're doing. Howard Hendricks once said, I've never met a Christian who sat down and planned to live a mediocre life. And then he said, but if you keep going in the direction in which you are moving, you may land there. I wonder how many of us that applies to today. And the truth is, we're just living, we're just living mediocre Christian lives for a variety of different reasons. But that's not what we've been called to. We've been called to lives of influence. We've been called to lives of impact. We've been called to be the, the light of the world and the salt of the earth and on and on and on. And I'm sure all of us would say a resounding yes if someone asked, if we're committed to living out the life that God has called us to, but you've got to make sacrifices and you've got to be focused and you've got to be at times bold to live that life because it comes with a cost and a commitment. And if you're a teacher, an administrator, someone who, who uh, leads students, serves students, someone who has the opportunity to have an impact on students through what you do Monday through Friday every week, I would especially encourage you as we begin this new school year to really embrace the calling and your understanding of the calling to live your life on purpose and to preach the gospel everywhere you go, oftentimes without words. 